I'm Abby Hornacek. I'm Ben Dominich. I'm Dana Perino, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Monday, June 26th, 2023. I'm Alex Hogan. After a dramatic weekend in Russia, one security analyst argues it might not have come as such a surprise to the Kremlin. This was a false flag operation conducted by um, uh, Putin and Prigozhin and uh, Russian intelligence services. This is the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition. A mutiny, a coup, an armed uprising. It was a dramatic day on Saturday in Russia. The leader of the Wagner Group, Russian mercenaries, turned his soldiers away from the battlefield in Ukraine and toward Moscow. Yegevny Prigozhin had claimed that Russian forces fired on his, and he called for the removal of some of the top Russian military brass. His forces quickly took over the military headquarters, and as they neared the capital, it all ended. Prigozhin struck a deal with the president of Belarus, Alexander Lukashenko, to call off his order and he would go to Belarus, the whole day causing a lot of uncertainty around the continent. Here's National Security Council spokesperson John Kirby today. There's a lot of reasons to be concerned about stability in Russia and the impact that that could have on the Ukrainian people and on the European continent. Well, what could have become an uprising ended almost as quickly as it started. One military analyst is throwing in a different possibility, arguing that this might not have been as big of a surprise to Russia, as she explains the relationship between Russian President Vladimir Putin and Higevny Prigozhin. He grew up in uh, St. Petersburg, just like Putin, in very uh, difficult uh, circumstances. Rebecca Koffler is a strategic military intelligence analyst and the author of Putin's playbook. He was actually a juvenile delinquent. Uh, He committed his uh, first crime when he was a teenager. Uh, He actually uh, beat a woman senselessly uh, in order to steal her jewelry and a purse. And um, so he started on this uh, criminal path very early, but then he turned his life around. He became first a, a salesman of a hot dog stand, and then slowly he built a multi-million um, dollar, or rubles in this case, uh, <laughs> empire, um, a catering business that actually served uh, meals to the Kremlin. Yeah, so that's actually where he gets the nickname Putin's chef. So how did he then go from being a chef to becoming the founder of the Wagner Group. Right. So the the Wagner Group uh, is, uh, again, it's not a traditional PMC uh, the way that the Western PMCs work, PMC being the private military company. like, let's say, Blackwater, um, you know, formerly Blackwater, currently Academy, that uh, Eric Prince uh, stood up. Um, the Wagner Group is, is basically uh, a mercenary force. It's Putin's personal hit squad, if you will, uh, specifically created to do things like... Um, you know, like I said, um, the uh, the Russian doctrine has something that uh, that is called covert operations, right? And destabilization operations, uh, or the Russians call them delicate affairs. It provides a very useful service to the uh, Russian to the Russian government in operations that they want their hand hidden. And so Prigozhin 
whom Putin trusted 100%. Remember that Putin is, is paranoid of being poisoned. And uh, there was only one person that uh, he allowed to feed him, if you will. It's his, uh, his chef. Um, and so he put him in charge of that uh, Wagner group. And then in the last several weeks, we've seen Yevgeny Prigozhin become increasingly critical of Russian military leaders. And I still think this weekend's course of events really caught much of the world off guard with how quickly Wagner troops were able to move out, take control of Rostov-on-Don, the military headquarters in Russia, and how quickly they were able to advance toward Moscow. So watching all of this play out with your background and your expertise, what surprised you the most? about this close ally of Putin essentially turning his back on him. What surprised me the most, uh, Alex, is how easily the Western media ignored all the counter evidence and bought in very quickly into the false narrative that Putin is weak, his regime is about to collapse, and, um, you know, there's a turmoil in Russia. That is what surprised me, Putin being weak is exactly the narrative that Putin wants us to believe. Because if Putin is weak, if his military is so incompetent that it can't possibly win in Ukraine, uh, if Russia is a, a Russian regime is about to collapse, then why in the world uh, does the U.S. taxpayer need to keep uh, funding Zelensky's regime? And... Uh, this is exactly uh, Putin's goal. Putin wants us to stop supporting Ukraine so he can have a quick victory there, uh, which he otherwise is unable to secure. Imagine that. You know. So, do you are you saying that mm -hmm. you think that all of this was planned to create some show of weakness from Putin's oh, perspective? Oh, 100%. That's my, uh, that is my intelligence analysis. This was a false flag operation conducted by um, uh, Putin and Prigozhin and uh, Russian intelligence services. Uh, there's a special doctrine in Russian military uh, science uh, called reflexive control. Reflexive control is, uh, is a tactic that targets the opponent uh, with a predetermined, prepackaged narrative based on the thorough research, what is your opponent's confirmation bias is. And then feed them that narrative and make them believe that and also confuse your opponent to the point of paralysis where they can no longer make any sense of what's going on and eventually start making decisions counter to their interests. That I'm is curious. what happened. I'm curious because it, it somewhat does go counter to what we've seen from Russian President Vladimir Putin in the past. This is a politician who, of course, wants to create this strong image and this sense of strength and, and stability over his people. He's been ruling over Russia for more than 20 years. So is this this is a, a definitely a different perspective that we're hearing that this all could be planned. Does that not play a counter narrative to the image that he's been trying to create for himself for so long? You're correct that he has a very studiously uh, and very uh, gradually and scrupulously have been creating this image. 
Now that this image is created and Putin in reality uh, has a very, very strong uh, hold on uh, his regime, on his military, on his intelligence services, and on the Russian people who still support him. Um, he has approval rating between 79 to 82%. So Putin really, uh, because he knows his firm grip um, on his regime, he does not really mind. Uh, and in fact, at this particular juncture, this narrative of his weakness serves him perfectly. On the other hand, the Russian people know that uh, his regime is strong. Um, and he actually used this opportunity, this ruse, to strengthen uh, his grip on power even further. Here's what happened since this uh, supposed attempted coup was taking place. Putin has invoked something called the counterterrorism operation regime, which is a mm -hmm. version of, a, of, a, of a martial law. Uh, right, he has called for additional mobilization of forces. Remember, he's hemorrhaging uh, manpower in Ukraine. The uh, Russian men don't particularly want to go fight in Ukraine to be thrown into the meat grinder, which is the current strategy is, the strategy of attrition. So he needs to galvanize the Russian people. And so his speech is very, very revealing that he made after uh, he directed his domestic security service, the FSB, to uh, open a criminal case on Prigozhin and to target him for arrest. So in his speech, he uh, told the Russian people that, the, and I quote, uh, the West's entire military, economic, and informational machine is deployed against Russia. So he wants to say that it is actually, he, he's twisting everything, he's standing everything on its head. It's not actually Russia waging war in Ukraine, it's actually the West that is fueling that war. And so uh, there's nothing that you can say that's more frightening to a Russian than a world revolution. So he invoked 1917. He basically said, unless we strengthen um, our state, unless we all come together and we're willing to, you know, die for Mother Russia uh, today, just like we did in um, during the World War II, during 1917, the country is going to collapse. And so he already has about 340 thousand troops of Rosgvardia, the National Guard, and that's versus, you know, 50,000 uh, troops that Prigozhin had in Ukraine. So uh, the math just doesn't add up. The, the, the whole thing is like, uh, you know, like I said, Prigozhin is, uh, is not an idiot. He's not suicidal. So that is why everything is, is planned, and Putin doesn't really mind. You know, when you know that you're strong, you don't really mind you know, um, the perception that you're weak because people who know what really goes on, they know the strength of, P of Putin's regime. And at this particular juncture, it makes sense for him uh, to mislead his adversary, to confuse, oh. to keep us off balance so that we keep wondering, well, what's going on in Russia? You know, to, to, to just have us all um, uh, being twisted into a pretzel trying to figure out what is going on. And that motivation 
outweighs the motivation of him appearing um, as, as strong, you know, as he's always has been. Well, it's an interesting perspective, to say the least, and it's a, definitely a curious theory. Uh, one thing I am curious about from your perspective, mm-hmm. though, is with Prigozhin today, we saw him make his first statement since agreeing to take this deal to go to Belarus, speaking on Telegram, releasing this video where he said he regretted to have to strike air assets. So this would be quite a ruse taking the lives of Russian military members if it's all oh, the Russians just a false don't flag. care. Well, Prigozhin's uh, most recent statement First of all, again, do not trust Rigozhin. I wouldn't place any any trust in what he says any more than I would place in what Putin says. Remember, their primary uh, objective is to deceive the adversary so that they can win in Ukraine first and so that they can destabilize our country to prevent us from what they perceive as messing in their backyard. That is first. So, so Putin, uh, Prigozhin is claiming that the Wagner Group was supposed to be disbanded on July 1st. Okay, so that could have been true, although I'm having a hard time um, believing it, because as I said, the Wagner Group is, is, is an extension of the Russian state. The Russians need a Wagner Group to conduct their covert operations, okay? So even if the group maybe was supposed to be disbanded, but another one would have been immediately stood up in its place or even, even before, right? Um, so it is quite possible that Putin made the decision to disband the Wagner Group now that he, he himself blew the Wagner Group's cover, right? It is only recently that he acknowledged that uh, Wagner was uh, doing work on behalf of the Russian state. And so, um, and also there, there is talk right now uh, in the U.S. and in Europe to designate the Wagner Group as a terrorist organization, so that would severely hamper their operations. So it is possible that Putin decided to just... Uh, transform Wagner into into something else, right? Um, so again, look at where Prigozhin is right now. Belarus. Belarus has just been become the beneficiary of the biggest Putin's gift that could have ever been given, Russian tactical nuclear weapons. So you have the head of the world's most brutal and most effective uh, mercenary force in Belarus within the striking distance of Kiev and the critical supply routes uh, for this war and in a direct threatening position to NATO's borders because Belarus borders Latvia and Lithuania. So how convenient. That Mm. is the strategic... um, a step that Putin uh, took, and specifically to open the second front. Prigozhin, for a while, has been uh, planning to open that second front in Belarus, and now there we are. We're talking to Rebecca Koffler, a strategic military intelligence analyst. More on this after the break. 
And last question, we're hearing so many of these conversations around the world from the West of different analysis of, of what likely will happen and what has happened over the weekend. But what are people who living in Russia, what are they hearing about this weekend from Russian controlled media? First of all, um, it's amplifying the narrative that Russia is under threat, under strategic threat by the West, that the West wants to destroy Russia, which is very consistent with what the Washington leadership has been saying. We've had President Biden himself saying uh, Putin cannot remain in power. He's a war criminal. Lindsey Graham uh, basically advocated for the Russian people to overthrow Putin. So the Russians, of course, are believing that because we ourselves have stated that. Uh, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin said that uh, our plan is to weaken Russia militarily and economically so that Russia no longer, longer presents the threat. So that's what uh, Russians uh, are hearing, both from Putin, uh, Russian media, and from us. Uh, so they're ready to mobilize, they're ready to galvanize. Another uh, narrative is that Putin has saved uh, the, uh, Mother Russia, and he chased out the traitors. You know, the traitors are the worst crime that you could commit. Um, and so Putin now is in a position when he's able to defeat a major coup, right? That's our mm -hmm. narrative, uh, the Western narrative, that there's just been a major coup, and Putin has been able to squash it. So he came out uh, victorious. Rebecca Koffler is a strategic military intelligence analysis analyst and the author of Putin's playbook. Rebecca, thank you so much for your time. Of course. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com.